Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Marcel Hansen. She's a dynamic American-Canadian entrepreneur, metaphysician, and a high-performance trainer with a wealth absolutely, of experience in health, wellness, rest, work-life balance, parenting, and nutrition. Marcel has dedicated her life to empowering busy moms to find a balance between their personal and professional lives. And today we're going to be talking about how to stay healthy while you're busy. And the idea here is Marcel's got this stable table concept, and, and she's been using this concept for over 25 years. And it's a proven wellness routine that's designed to help women drastically improve their mental health, their energy, their physical performance, and really just stay sane in trying to juggle health and entrepreneurship. And so we're going to talk about all the aspects of it. She's going to give some interesting insight and what she's tried, what's worked, what's not, and just the overall I guess you could say tips that she has are are really well tested. Let's put it that way. And uh, she's got a lot of good info. So sit back, relax, and let's introduce you to Marcel Hansen. Marcel, welcome to the Health Fix Podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, my goodness, we definitely have some some things to talk about. And for when I saw what your specialty was, I I was like raising my hand up like and jumping up and down. Yes, please, please help us. Because as I shared before we jumped on, a lot of my folks, they are looking for how do we juggle this becoming a coach, becoming an entrepreneur and, and health? Because we it is seems like when you try to focus in one area, other things fall apart. And I, I find it almost like you, this is where we start to get that imposter syndrome or we start to feel like, man, I don't know if I should be doing this because we're we're working so hard to get clients. All of a sudden we're we're grabbing snacks and, and dinner becomes popcorn and a glass of wine <laughs> instead of salads and things. So tell us a little bit about how you came to find the rhythm that you're teaching folks today. You know, it's so true. I, I can empathize and, and certainly uh, resonate with uh, grabbing the snack and needing to nourish yourself on some level when time is short and it's windling down and you're trying to help other people get their game in order. Right. And you got to kind of keep yours in balance. How does that all work for me? You know, it started almost 30 years ago, and it started accidentally. I think I just kind of stumbled into, I'll say I'm a, I'm a problem solver is what I feel like I do best. And I had a problem started actually with my menstrual cycle. I was missing, I was missing months and I was like, I don't think this is right. It seems like I should have this every month. (laughs) And, and while public education was not the greatest, I did figure out that much. And so I, luckily stumbled upon an amazing naturopath um, in the Seattle area, actually. And that's where it all began. And it, and it began from a, a little, a little bit of my self-awareness and then a whole lot of leaning on someone who knew more than me. And I think that's where, that's at where that first step for everybody happens is like, I can only do so much within my own bubble if I don't have the information now, now 
This was 30 years ago. So I was going to the library. YouTube was not what it is today. Google was not what it is today. So researching by reading books and things were a little bit on the, you know, slower pace. Now you can pop open your phone and ask Siri or Alexa and and have answers, you know, whether they're correct or not, might come back to that within seconds. And, um, So I, so what I did was I ended up meeting with this naturopath and she laid out a plan for me and said, you know, let's do the blood work. Let's find out what these track, what these markers are, and then we'll make a plan. We did that. I executed on that. And then it all sort of started a long journey of more (laughs) self-awareness, more tracking, more testing, more tweaking more self-awareness, more tracking, more testing, more tweaking. And that just has continued and it still continues. So anybody who thinks you're done after, you know, finding out a way, I guess if, if I could impress anything, a message that someone would hear today um, and hopefully help be more gentle with themselves is that it, while consistency is important, like showing up every day, doing these very small little habits, creating a routine and a healthy household is vital. Over time, it does create, you know, a great uh, momentum and it creates a lot of change for the better. That change changes. What I did in my 20s to become healthier, I applied in my 30s and it didn't quite work. I had to do other things. I had to tweak those. I you know, I was in a different place in my life and certainly in my forties and maybe some, some people out there can resonate now that I'm 50, it changes it. What I did three years ago to be like at my most optimal health and vibrancy gets me at about 60% today. Mm-hmm. And that's just the truth. And I'm a tracker. Like that's where I think that I've been able to help share my journey and, and my sort of wellness path is by I've documented this for for 20 years, like religiously, um, more so with actual bio trackers. So I have a number of, you know, uh, little tools and helpful things that help me out that keep digital track. But I have literally written down, you know, the, the time I went to bed, the how I felt that day, uh, if I was hydrated, really the my stable table that we'll get into a little bit. I clocked all these metrics for 20 years. And I can see correlations. I can see causation. So it's, it takes a while, but it's, I really have enjoyed it because it has empowered me, uh, to have control over over like like one thing Mm -hmm. I can control my response, my attitude to whatever happens. And it's been a fantastic journey thus far. I got another hundred years. I'm going to 150, so I think I'm on, I'm on a good uh, pace here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, me too. I, I'm trying to get into those hundreds and, and double digits in there. Um, definitely. And I, th- I think that's something, you know, really important to, that you brought up is that it keeps changing. I think a lot of people and, and myself included, I think it took me even a while to really realize that your health isn't like a to-do list. It's not this check the box and be done. And when you are a to-do list type A, I get things done, cross them off the list and we have that satisfaction. I think it could be really frustrating mentally to be like, really, I have to keep tweaking this? Yes, exactly. And you're right. It's not static. And I, 
I don't think that I really realized that until I was 50. To be honest, as I changed things, they changed so subtly. I was like, okay, yeah, I've kind of did that before and it worked, but now I have to enhance that ever so much, or I have to get a little more sleep or go to bed just a smidge earlier or walk at, you know, a little bit longer in the morning or after dinner. But it was when I, it was in this last year that I've looked back and said, geez, this has changed so many times. Cause I, I go back and read what I've documented and, and what's gone on in, in my twenties, thirties, forties, and now 50. And it really does. It changes. And what I guess I want to stress to everyone is that it changes differently for everyone. Like that's where I get a lot of clients that I've worked with and, and, uh, even friends and family that I talk to, they shoot themselves in the foot by comparing themselves to others. And I know we want to find like likeness and, and we want to feel a part of, and, and, you know, there's a community of, of people that feel the same, you know, uh, attribute or the same sort of characteristic, they feel similar. It's not even if I'm sad and you're sad, Janine, our sadness is not the same. It's, it comes from a different place. It comes for a different reason. It shows up differently. Uh, I exhibit it differently. I may be bawling my eyes out and you may be just a little sniffle and you're, you're gutted. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know, something <laughs> I I cry over a lot of things. So I don't know what some small thing could have happened. Like our sadness is not the same. Like nothing is the same. And that's what I think is. I think some people could take that in an overwhelming state, but in an awesome state like A.W.E. Like it, I'm in awe of how there is so much variety and so much likeness. If you can accept the variety, you can kind of see that we are fundamentally the same, but how we show up, the exercise routine that I do may not work for you at all and yours for me, right? And certainly now that I I do a time-restricted diet, I'm perimenopausal, Um, but I, I would not recommend that for women in their 30s. These have huge impacts on hormones, on circadian rhythm, these like this activity, that's, it's a big craze right now, right? Everybody's like intermittent fasting and, and, uh, time restricted eating and, and various diets and what have you, these can really be detrimental to a woman in fertile ages. Like if she's, if she plans on having a baby, um, I would highly recommend to, to not be obsessive about a, you know, working out these aerobic activities every single day and, the hit and the CrossFit that are really hard might make you feel good. There might have a very detrimental impact on your adrenals, on your hormonal cycle. That isn't the easiest to get back. I'm not saying anything's not reversible. A lot of things that we deem as, you know, not a death sentence, but (laughs) diabetes. I mean, it does sound very strong. The the silent killer. Diabetes is, is reversible in almost every instance or very manageable in many, many instances through diet, nutrition, movement, sleep. I mean, yes, I'm sorry to say if the pharmaceutical companies, you know, want to come after me, but this is, they they might, they might lose business if people can see that this is a case. Like if you take control over uh, your own body and your own wellness and make good decisions for yourself, these, these, uh, 
uh, pharmaceutical businesses might, uh, a company might lose a little sales. So <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely want folks to be able to take their health into their own hands, not rely on the medications and, and definitely makes sense, especially when it does come to things that unfortunately we've been kind of brainwashed to think that diabetes is like, yeah, the silent killer death sentence kind of thing. And there's nothing once you get it, that's it. But no, absolutely not. And I'm glad that you're you're sharing that with folks. So one of the things that you mentioned that I think a lot of women really struggle with is seeing on social media, like this young, and, and this is something that I've even found myself being like, what the heck are you doing? Like younger women than I am, I am, I am mid forties and I will see 20 somethings, 30 somethings. And I'll be like, Oh, look at, check that workout out. That's kind of cool. She looks really fit. And still in the back of your mind, you go, Oh, maybe I should try that. And, and then there's also the women who are in their, their fifties and, and even sixties who are doing some pretty intense stuff too. And then you think, well, she can do it. You know, it, it should be good for me too. So we get really I would say we can get really inundated with these things and think we need to go that direction. And so what do you advise for women who are just starting this, this, let's say, awakening into figuring out, okay, like what's, what's good in terms of my personal wellness, where should I start? And maybe tracking is something that you would recommend. I don't know. Give us the scoop. Where would you have people start? You know, you, you bring up a great point. I, I'm sure we've all fallen victim to, um, and I use that word very specifically, to seeing something else that's working for someone else. Mm-hmm. And and the self-talk goes into, yeah, that, well, that could, I could do that. I mean, you know, that should work for me. Re- and not taking into, I think that what you said was actually observant and, and pretty aware that you notice, here's a 20 or 30 some year old doing this workout, like, oof. I should, I could probably do that. Or here's a 60 or 70 year old woman doing that workout. Mm, Yeah. Then I should be able to do it just fine if I'm 30 or whatever, taking that context and then listening to it logistically tells you otherwise, if I'm 30 and I'm looking at a woman that's 60 or 70, be like, wow, I more, my languaging says when I'm 60 or 70, I want to be rocking it like that too. I I just, I guess I'm lucky and maybe what I'm learning is that many people's internal talk is very different than mine. And, and of course, I don't know why I should be surprised because everything is, different. <laughs> everything is very unique. They're all like snowflakes, right? Very, very different. Um, yet we're all snowflakes. So that, that classification, we have the same, but I, I would start with, I always start with mindset being the most important. And I was really lucky uh, in my twenties. I studied to be, I'm a sign language interpreter by trade actually. Cool. And yeah, very cool. And what I learned in that is that sign language, because it's a visual language and I'm interpreting into, I interpreted into English, my first language, um, you do what's called a simultaneous interpretation, as opposed to like when you hear at the UN or whatever, somebody says something and in Spanish, they're lagging behind they're actually, it's called consecutive interpreting um, in sign language because I think somebody thought this was a great idea because the hands are moving and the eyes can work to watch the the signing. You should be able to speak at the same time. It's actually a literal dual task. It's 
one of the few times that your brain is actually doing two very distinctly different things at the same time, simultaneous interpreting, and it's using two different parts of the brain. And so what I learned, long story short, to make the good point, is that during that time, I could not not have negative self-talk. I couldn't. My brain was already like taking in a visual image. And then I needed to get my shit together in order to spew out my first language or vice versa. If I was, you know, doing the opposite and I, I had to rid myself. I called it the stinky committee. It was like a, I think of a begrudging old, like group of old white men, sorry. Um, that are sitting around a table, like, you know, negative talk. Why would you do that? That's not the right word to say. What are you stupid? You know, those just like crotchety grumbling men. And I said, I just, one day I just said, you're fired. Like I, that was it. It literally was like, I cannot have you in there. I cannot do my job as an interpreter. And I was a student at the time. Um, but I was, I'm so glad I looked back and if there was one thing that I've done as an adult, that sort of was the tipping domino that kind of trickled all the rest that, uh, that are still rolling. It would either be like meeting that natural path, Lucy Smith out of Maple Leaf. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's retired now, but she's fantastic. And, or this firing that stinky committee. Cause until literally last year, I'd never had, and I know this sounds weird. I've never had a negative thought about myself until I was very, knocking on the door of menopause. No, no, you're so stupid. Or why did you do that? Not one time in like 30 years, which I realized just last year when someone told me like, that's weird. Like that's odd. That's not normal. Like I have negative self-talk all day long. I'm like, how do you get anything done? Like how, how do you, of course you're overwhelmed and full of anxiety and stressed. How would you get anything done if you have someone beating you up inside yourself? Like you can do that out in the world. You just walk out with any t-shirt that says anything, doesn't matter what it says. And you're going to have haters, right? Right. Whether it's pro this or, or con this, you're going to have haters. You go on Instagram, you say one comment on Facebook, you'll get notifications for the next three weeks of how stupid you are and how ignorant you are from every direction. Why would you do that on the inside? So I think first and foremost, that's why I put mindset first. Yes. I would want everyone to, to practice my stable table, which I'll get into hopefully in just a minute, but mindset comes first in that gosh, have some grace, like be patient with yourself. Like the fact that you want to learn how to be better is amazing. Like that's what life, that's what creates like thriving life instead of just like living. I think that people are really, I see the masses accepting a very low level of mediocrity in my opinion. I don't think, uh, I think I heard somebody say it the other day is that most people are living at about 50 to 60% of their potential. And if you think of like, if we go back to grades, A, B, C, D, 50% is, is not even passing. Like you would... <laughs> Like, why would you accept 50 to 60% of anything? Yet that's how we're operating. Uh-huh. Accepting, accepting stress, ex- accepting this, creating an identity for ourselves that include a label, a pathology, or yeah. just painting a box for ourselves, right? 
And so first and foremost, I would say you got to, for me, it was, I got still. And in that moment, I literally, I hit a wall where I had to say something that I saw. I saw the message coming into my eyes and I needed to say something out of my mouth. And my head started talking and I was like, no, I can't do it. There, I literally, you cannot have negative talk while you're trying to take in a message and spit out a message in two different languages. And I just got lucky. I real, I really feel really blessed that I just stumbled upon that forced reality. And I think if, if most of the people, and I don't, I don't live inside anybody else's body and mind, so I can't say, but from what I hear feedback wise, if I could sit inside there, I would say, just be still like start with being still. And that's where meditation, I, you do a walking meditation. I'm not one to sit literally still, but I do walk and I let, you know, thoughts pass through my mind and I don't, you know, ruminate or I just acknowledge them and let them keep going. Some sort of stillness practice is essential just for building the foundation of I'm okay. I'm worthy. I can do this. I got this. I have I have tackled X, Y, and Z, and I can do this too. Like changing how we talk about ourselves to ourselves, I think is essential. Like I can listen to someone talk for about 30 seconds and I know exactly where their limiting beliefs are, what they think about themselves, because we say it. Like if you, if you believe it, you're going to say it. And when you say it, you'll believe it more and it becomes very habitual. And I, I hear it, uh, not to go off on the tangent, but I heard it in another podcast just recently where someone's like, that's my ADHD in me. Mm, yeah. yeah. Like, or like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a, a high anxiety type of person. That's how I operate. Wow. Like think of what you're saying to yourself. That's your operating system. So basically you're a Mac with a PC operating system and <laughs> you wonder why it's not working. Like you, that's how we get upgrades. That's why we refresh. That's why we close tabs on our window. Speaking of which, you know, why did I'd be ADHD too. I say that with little air quotes, uh, <laughs> cause I don't, I don't believe in that, but, uh, I would have a hard, hard time focusing. If I have 30 tabs open on my computer and I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out, okay, uh, yeah, I was going to order that at Amazon. I left it in the cart. Oh, I, I was in the middle of replying to this email and it went to draft and then I forgot it. And, oh, I missed a zoom appointment. You know, of course, <laughs> of course that is normal to feel overwhelmed when you put yourself in a position of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you're the one doing it. That's what, I, that's what I want people to hear is like, that's, that's you choosing to open another one without closing another one or to not set boundaries for your own mental wellness. So first and foremost, like get clear in your head what you want. And then, you know, focusing on listening to your self-talk because that inevitably I can teach you all kinds of habits and how to, how to stay hydrated and eat well and and move every day and get great night's sleep night after night after night. But none of that will work. If you're getting up in the morning going, I hate my job, you know, stupid. Why did I go to college anyway? My parents wanted me to do this. I don't even like, I don't like cleaning teeth. I don't like being a lawyer. I don't even like this. I hate these people. And you're just con. of course, why would you feel you're not going to feel good. You The strategy comes after the state and the story. Uh, I grew up on Tony Robbins. So that's, you know, you got to kind of 
put the court, the cart ahead of the horse or vice versa. Like think of what you're doing. The horses go in the front. So mindsets first, right? Get that straight. And then executing on strategy becomes to me effortless. Like if, if you taught me a recipe, I could make it like that. I'm not going to be in the middle of whipping eggs and going, oh, why so many eggs? Why? Why do I have to add flour? You don't do that. Like you say, oh, I, you have a muffin recipe, Janine, hand it over. Oh, I read it. I've made recipes before. I have confidence in making recipes. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm just going to get out the ingredients, mix it up. And then if I come into an instance where, shit, I'm short an egg, then I go back in my little brain and go, what else can I use? Applesauce. I can use tapioca pudding. You know, I start that I'm a problem solver, right? So I want to find those other pieces, but I can, I can apply all of these major, major, like successes in my life. I can apply those to right now. It's a transferable skill. That's how I built confidence, right? Mm-hmm. For those, of, for those of you that are so far gone in the overwhelm, then I always start with my stable table and my stable table will help to create self confidence, self-confidence, self-awareness. It's a system that I created inadvertently that became public, but I did it for myself and I tracked it. So tracking is part of that because that reinforces your confidence. Like I did that. It's got almost like a gold star when you were little, (laughs) somebody gives you a little check mark or something. You're like, yeah, that was me. It's a little boost, but it's all about you. It's not about showing someone else. I don't, I have 20 years of documentation. I'm not, I'm not holding it up to you now going, see what I can do. It's not for you to see. It's for me to see. It's for me to know and build my own inner bank of confidence. That So when shit happens and it hits the fan and the car breaks down and you miss the flight and the kids are late or you, you know, you're having hot flashes every hour of the day, whatever, the, whatever the case may be, you have this foundation. You have a found Like I have this foundation that's unshakable. Do I still get like bonked off my feet once in a while. Not very often, but once in a while, sure. But I rebound a lot quicker because I know my truth. I know my North Star. I know where I'm going. I know what I want to leave as a legacy. I have all these things clearly lined up that they almost just pull me back into alignment. It's like a an instant auto calibration, if you will. Now, if you let yourself get so far off of that, then yeah, you got you to work your ass to get back to it. But once you're in your line of the North star, you know, where you're going. You don't have to think of the how all the time. You just, I think Oprah said it is like, just need to make the next right move. Like right now and right as in what feels right to me, not Mm -hmm. what Janine thinks, not what my parents thought, not what my neighbor's doing, what would look good. What feels good to me on the inside. And over time, what you learn is that that changes a lot. What I did on what's today, Monday, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what I did last Wednesday, I can't even do today to replicate the recovery. Like I track my recovery and strain and sleep and, and oxygen levels and, and all kinds of things. And you, they don't come every day. I can't, I, you can't even strive to have that every day. It's not realistic because our body goes through cycles of stress and recovery stress and recovery. You can't build a muscle without tearing it. Right. So it's like it, you have to have that ebb and flow. And until you can like realize that that's, that's natural, you beat yourself up. So many people beat themselves up about, Oh, I didn't get to bed last night. I had one too many drinks. It's like, yes, don't drink. 
but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but having the consistency that you want is not about consistently everything going well. It's about consistently you feeling good. I truly believe that that is, that will, that's what that single thing will make the world a completely different place is that people really feel authentic and, and grounded within themselves. And I call that good, not like indulgent good, but like feels great to have, I'm 50 and I I'm vibrant. I don't have any aches and pains. I've never done any prescription drugs. I've never done any drugs, but I don't do prescription drugs except for sugar. I'll come back to sugar. Um, I'm a recovering sugar addict, but, um, I, I feel great. And I'm like this and people go, Oh, wow, you're 50. And I'm like, this is what 50 is supposed to be like. This is, this is, you're supposed to feel great at every age. The body wants you to feel great and it does everything it can. It's like, we are as a society putting so much into it, whether it's whatever toxins, perfumes, the fragrances, oh, sugar, excess caffeine, you know, drugs of every kind and prescriptions completely messing up all of our rhythms that we spoke about at the beginning, circadian rhythm, our hormones, all that. Without that, it's pretty amazing to see that there, there are ebbs and flows in lives and, and life and how you can kind of almost ride it like you're in the ocean, right? The waves come and they go. The, way, the water doesn't just stay exactly the same. We're the same. We're like an energetic being, right? So we're ebbing and flowing. And I think if you don't have a finger on the pulse of that, then you're just, I don't know, out to lunch is what I want to say. You're missing, you're missing what life is really about. Cause you, I feel like I can do anything still. It is something that my dad told me when I was a teenager, just one time said, if you, you know, whatever you set your mind to, you can do. And I was naive enough then to believe him. And somehow that became my operating system. And so it has been that. So I do feel like if I wanted to train for a marathon or what have you, I feel like there's very few things physically or mentally that are limiting to me. And I want other people to know that that's accessible to them. They don't have to, they do have to get on the journey. Obviously they might be 30 years behind me, but it's not a race, right? I'll still be going they can go for 60 more years and I'll still be going for a hundred. <laughs> so I, it's about witnessing and about being present and doing all you can to live life fully. Like I think somebody said the other day, was it Jim Rohn? Um, well, he didn't say it the other day because he's been passed for a while now, but a video of him said that so many people are, they tiptoe gingerly towards death, like trying to arrive at death's door safely. <laughs> like what? What's going on here? Like living life, like we don't know. I could be, I could be as healthy as I am and healthier, hopefully, and get hit by a bus. That's just the truth of it. Hopefully my awareness and my mental awareness allows me to be responsive and pay attention and not cross a crosswalk without paying attention or to not get myself into situations that could be dangerous per se, because my awareness is there. And I think, um, I think that that, that mental capacity people, I think they underestimate it, but they also underestimate how, how capable we are of obtaining that stability of feeling sure about ourselves, about taking, uh, you know, control of our own wellness. You know, we have a great, uh, I don't know, healthcare system. I think it's the sick system. I've, yeah. I've just, it, 
It's it's absurd. I, I stopped calling people doctors. I know I get a lot of hate for this, but they're just pharmaceutical salesmen. I yeah. mean, and and in, if if you are in the masses that don't see that and you can claim it as a conspiracy theory, that's OK. I hear that. But if you don't recognize that there's truth in that, then you are being played. You are the pawn and you will pay a price of your healthiness and your body and your wellness and your vitality and the ability to see your grandkids graduate or your kids get married or have babies or what have you, you will miss out on that because you have given up your power to someone else who has a different agenda. And even if that agenda is not, I know many doctors and, and they're great people and they're in a system that does not provide for wellness. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just, it's just a system. Okay. And that doesn't make it okay, but it, I'm not picking on any particular doctor per se, but Western medicine in general, it's a business. Absolutely. That's okay. Absolutely. It's wholeheartedly a business. And I mean, I have felt at certain times in my life that I've been a glorified drug dealer and it's not a good place to feel as a naturopath for that matter. It's, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you for, for uh, clearly you've gotten away from that to some degree. Cause I've, I've, I've uh, taken in quite a bit of your content and you're, and I, and I love it. You're, the openness that you provide, I've, I've taken in a, a number of your, there's just a variety that you invite onto your show. And I really appreciate that because it shows at the core that, that, you know, that there's, there's more out there and you're not wed to one particular way. And that open-mindedness, I think, is really important uh, for people to remember that growth is, is typically not comfortable, right? <laughs> um, yet we either grow or we die. Like this comfort that we're seeking is death. Like we have really kicked on to, um, you know, not just, um, that, that sort of immediate gratification. Like when you and I grew up though, we, we didn't know each other. Um, there were television episodes that were on, you know, sitcoms that were on once a week. Yep. And so on that Thursday night or on that Wednesday night, you know, the family would gather around like out of anticipation of like waiting seven days to see what happened to Laura. You know, that was during the daytime. That was two o'clock. Luke <laughs> and Laura, there he is on the patio, you know, or whatever it is, whether it was family ties or, you know, the Cosby show you wanted to see or Fresh Prince or whatever, if they ran in in consecutive order, um, you wanted to see what happened next. So you built up that anticipation and then you got to see it and you got satisfied, got that dopamine hit. And then they brought you to the cliffhanger again, who shot Jr. And then <laughs> next week you would come back and see her at the end of the season. Now people just binge watch and just watch 20 episodes in a row. No, no anticipation, just like straight up addiction. Like, ah, gotta know what's going to happen. And that I think that is really harming us because these things that create um, these habits, healthy habits and acts that happen every single day are very small, little small habits. They create big change over time. And people I see jump from fad diet to fat. First, they're doing hit 50 or whatever, and then they're going straight to Atkins or they're doing keto or they're doing you know, whatever is next. They want to do an ultra marathon. It's like, and they expect massive change to happen. It yeah. is an event, but this is a, this is a journey, right? This is a all, I, I was lucky to start early enough in my twenties, but this will continue. And I will 
stay nimble and, and adapt to change until I'm gone, like my entire life. And so not being able to be like, I'm fit, I'm this the best as I'm ever going to be. And now I don't have to do anything to continue that is just unrealistic. It's just, you know, everybody wants six pack abs, but they don't want to work out. They don't want to eat better. They don't want, they don't want to do anything on a regular basis to see that change. And I think that's harmful um, because, because lasting change is, is the most uh, satisfying. In my opinion, you can get that little hit uh, and, and that's, you know, that's all it is. It's a little hit. I'd rather have the long, the long burn. That's, that's gratifying over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I see the same, you know, like, Oh, I ran my marathon. Now I'm up 30 pounds. I got to try to figure out what I did. You know, then it's like, Oh man. But you know, that's, that's where your podcast comes in. You know, the small habits, big changes, folks, you definitely got to check that out. So tell us about the, my stable table. I think of it as there's no pills, you know, there's nothing that's going to be red pill, blue pill. You're going to pop it and feel better tomorrow. If you feel better tomorrow, you probably feel twice as worse. Two days later, you got to pop another pill, right? So this is all the natural performance enhancement uh, program. And it's based around stable table legs. Um, I don't know why I came up with it that way. It just It's based on adequate hydration, uh, daily exercise, which I now refer to as movement, less. The foundation is that mindset along with like a, a spiritual groundedness. That's what I find the, the best um, results come from someone who believes in something bigger than themselves. The folks out there that are ready to implement not just strategies, but lifetime long habits. And these four habits that I've created over years that created like a, a system, if you will, have done that for me. And so that's why I want to share it. Um, so for hydration, it's really just drinking the best possible water that you can get your hands on. Uh, half your body weight in ounces is what I find um, has been consistently uh, adequate. And I will say for um, today's day and age, it's gotten worse over years that our quality of water. And I don't want to complain because there are, uh, you know, 2 billion people on the planet that have to walk <laughs> excess of, you know, 20 miles to carry back a bucket of quasi, probably what we would consider toilet water. And that's what they use, you know, so we are blessed. We can walk to the nearest tap and turn it on and something clear runs out. Um, that said, there's a lot of stuff in there. Fluorides, chlorine, lead, pharmaceutical uh, juices, <laughs> lots of things that get that come back around through our treatment that I, I say you either invest in a filter, you get one, or you become one. So if you are not investing in even the minimal of a Brita, then everything that's coming out of those pipes is being filtered in your body, your kidneys, your, your system is working through all of that, whatever that is in there. If you haven't tested your water, you have no idea. Right. Um, so I strongly recommend some sort of filter, um, and, and to know that people still, my tips would be for that is like, in order to drink it, I need to see it. You guys can't see me now, but I have a glass of water right here. So if it wasn't here, I wouldn't be drinking it. Yep. And if it is here and I can see it, 
And so my brain goes, oh, you can drink that. It's a, it sounds very rudimentary and very elementary, but it's true. If you see it, you are far more likely to drink it. Yep. The key to hydration and the key to all of the, all of the stable table legs is tracking. And this is where I find people actually fall short. And it, it's, it's so simple. I know people probably go like, I'm not a numbers person, or I don't like to, you know, write things down, or I need an app for that. You don't, it's so simple. Like, uh, I think on my podcast, the very first episode I said, I made one up right on the spot. Cause I don't do this rubber band method, but you can just put five rubber bands. If you, if you uh, are taking five glasses, right? five glasses times 16, 50. So it's 80 ounces. So if you weigh 160 and you're drinking 80 ounces of water, you put five rubber bands on there. And every time you finish a glass, you just pull one off and you put it onto a fresh glass for tomorrow. Something simple. Like I use, I literally use sticky notes that are those little air colored arrows that are like sign here. When you sign a document sign here, I literally have five of those up on my cabinet, right where I, you know, get my water and I just move them over every day. I have done that. I have done that specific tactic for a decade and it's foolproof to me. And it's, it's easy to see. I look up and go, Ooh, you know, I'm, I need two more glasses. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Let's go. You know? Um, and there's so many benefits from water. I don't understand how people are still not knowing this, but this helps like, this is the volume of your blood right? This adds to the volume of your blood. So important for regulating almost every bit of activity that goes on your body. Our bodies are, you know, 60, 70% water. There's some argument over that, but their majority contents is water. We need water to make things work. Like all of our organs depend on this. Our blood depends on this. This helps keep us in balance, right? Keep us regulated. And so if there's any question about that, then again, out to lunch. You got to got to check in. You got to get back on this planet. And know that the planet's a lot of water. We're a lot of water. We need to take in water. We function in water. You know, I think the biggest thing I'd be asking about, because a lot of people ask me is they'll want to know, like, do you use a Berkey? What, what filtration system do you use? Like everybody asks me that on a uh, filtration system on the market. Um, it's not a house wa- household wide, but it's a countertop or under countertop. And so I consider that towards the top of the rung of the ladder. So I'll give you some examples that get there. That first one's probably a Brita, which does knock out a little bit of chlorine, I believe. I used it 30 years ago. And it's it does have a, a little bit of a benefit. From there, I'd go probably to like the Santivia, something that has a five stage or the Berkey. Um, I've only drank out of the Berkey like once or twice and mm-hmm. and have never owned one, but I've heard great things about them. But the five stage with the initial like carbon filter, and then it goes through a number of other filters, and then it lands in say um, like rock to remineralize. That's the Santivia. It's about a hundred dollars. It sits on the countertop. I had that for years. Um, I drank distilled water for actually a year and a half. I don't necessarily recommend that, uh, but it literally was a distiller that sat on my counter, and that takes everything out of the water, completely strips it out, turns it into a a vapor into a steam and then drips it back into completely, you can buy distilled water. I don't recommend that either because it's usually in plastic jugs, but distilled water has nothing in it. So I do caution if you do go that route, you do need to keep an eye on your electrolytes and they have, they sell additives um, that you can add to that, that are, that tastes like salt water. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. um, and and that works. Then you get up into the um, hydrogen making uh, live water options, which I use um, a Japanese made holistic medical device. Uh, we might just be able to put a link in the show notes or uh, or I might be able to send you that information that you can add uh, to your content. Um, and, and you, you go from, you know, a Brita being, I don't know, 50 bucks to the system being 5,000. So along, along that run, I always say the, the most that you can afford, if you can't afford, uh, or can't choose to, uh, allocate funds to something that's more start with some, I started with the Brita. I used a Brita for years because that's all I knew. And then when I knew better, like, Ooh, and I made more money, I was like, Oh, okay. I want to step it up and hopefully that helps. And and there's no right or wrong. It's really just what you can make work for you right now. And you won't be there forever anyway, because everything changes. Yep. <laughs> they keep upgrading and things of that nature. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. Cause I think for a lot of people, it is a, it is a question and, and yes, the hydrogen water, um, live water would be, would be very interesting for a lot of folks. So we'll get that. We'll get that in po- in the podcast notes, folks at drjcrossnd.com. So yeah, let's move on to the, the, the movement section. Yeah. yeah. And before I forget there, there is reverse osmosis in there too. And, and some of the, and I've done that as well. Um, I didn't dive deep into the science of that. I just go with what feels best to me and, yeah. and what has worked. So I'll say that there is like, again, no wrong, no wrong way to do it. Just, uh, where we're looking for progress, right? Moving up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to movement, uh, daily exercise, what I've always deemed it as is 10 minutes of walking outside every single day without exception, 365 days. Doesn't matter if it's snowing, raining, wow. lizard, 10 minutes. You can pick the time. I think there's lots of, again, you can build hook habits around this, just like putting water on the counter is like a hook habit. Cause you're walking by the counter. You know, you're going to go to the bathroom. You're going to see it. So you're going to grab it. Right. Um, like building into your routine already that you have established. Maybe you get up and you go to get the mail first thing in the morning, just hit the end of the block and come back. And you've got two, three minutes. If you live in a high rise or whatever, maybe it's just going down to the lobby and coming back up. But uh, outside is is something I highly recommend. I personally do it with sunrise and sunset. So I'm getting some nice early morning light, which uh, is beneficial for a million reasons. And and then after dinner, after I've eaten, I typically go out for a couple of reasons at that time. One, I'm getting the sunset hours, which are great. Again, the light. Uh, has wonderful impact. Both of those things impact my circadian rhythm and how I'm going to sleep, especially the morning one. People think it's more the evening one, but it's actually when you're out in the morning is when your circadian rhythm is is kicking into gear and, and resetting. So getting up and then getting that natural light first thing in the morning is probably one of the best things you can do for, for the outside movement uh, part of the part of the table. And it isn't more is better as far as quantity of time that day, it's that you go every day. That's, that's the kicker. And that's where people, um, I think fall short is that they're like, Oh, I got so busy. I didn't get my walk in. No, this is, this is the time you take for yourself. And again, it was Tony Robbins who said, if you don't have, you know, 15 minutes for yourself, you don't have much of a life. And I thoroughly agree. Busy moms, 
uh, busy entrepreneurs, you always have time. And if you have to do it multitasking, then do it. You, you're going to reply as an entrepreneur. I run a business outside of my wellness business. I, I always have emails to respond to. I always have a phone message I could leave. I always have a text that I could, uh, you know, shoot back. Do that in your 10 minutes. There is absolutely no way, no one can say they don't have 10 minutes for themselves. Um, and it, over time, it does become more. And I really think the 10 minutes morning and night is a nice cap of like getting up, getting into your body, moving, getting in that early light. Uh, you don't have to break a sweat. You don't even have to put on like tennis shoes. You can wear regular shoes or flip-flops or whatever is supportive to your foot. I currently use a barefoot technology, which I'm loving. I highly recommend. Um, though getting out there in the morning, great way to start your day. Just breathing fresh air. Fantastic. In the evening, great way to wind down. It's really not that huge of an allotment of time. But why I stress the every day is that the stable table in and of itself is, is just like a, it's a framework of healthy habits, but so much more is built within them when you practice it. Kind of like, I mean, you'll probably get, get the gist is that if you go out and you commit to yourself, I'm going to walk every single day, 10 minutes, whether I'm listening to a podcast, whether I'm calling and talking to my dad, whether I'm going to connect with my best buddy, or maybe I'd get a different best buddy every day. Uh, you know, you use that 10 minutes as this is when I can make an excuse to be a good person and take care of other people while you're really secretly taking care of yourself. Like if you have to trick yourself into doing it, go ahead. Because the benefits are, if you do that every day, over time, I can almost guarantee that one, you will believe in yourself more. Two, you will have more self-esteem. Three, you will have ample confidence because these things all kind of run together. You will, confidence after confidence comes competence, right? And then you reinforce those over time that this is something you do for yourself, that you don't let anyone else uh, restrict, that you do not give up on. Even if you don't feel good, What's funny is after you walk for a while each and every day and you commit these things, you don't ever not feel good. Like you, you want to get into your body. That's your goal. You don't have people go like, oh, but I'm just tired. I hit the snooze button. No, you won't. After time, you just have to trust that after you've stepped on the first rung and the second rung, maybe you can't even see the top rung, but it's there. You just have to keep going. I, I think that covers it. I think it's nice to hear you know, I think it's refreshing to hear that you're not killing yourself in the gym, which I think a lot of people do still think that that's the way to move forward. And unfortunately, I see all the time, not the case. And walking, I mean, I love walking. It's so underrated um, for, for its great benefits. And and like you said, you, you discover new things. Plus the mind just does some really cool stuff and gets ideas, at least I find while I'm walking too, that kind of walking meditative mode that that goes into there. So... Yeah, good stuff. So let's talk about nutrition because I think that's one of the the biggest habits that falls to the wayside when someone becomes really busy as an entrepreneur or even just in life in general. It's like somehow that just tanks for some reason. It is like the habit that goes to crap. It is, you know, I see on my, uh, I don't pay too much attention to the statistics or the analytics on the podcast or my social, I, I glance at them because we, we want to meet a demographic that 
has a need, but altruistically, I, I just want everyone to benefit. But I see that n- the nutrition content is always the highest, always. People are all over like, how can I eat better? How can I do this? Um, I think again, it, everything sort of ties into one another. If you're not, if you're not hydrating and you're not moving and we'll get to sleep next, but if you're not sleeping well, you're going to eat like shit. That's all there is to it. It's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to manage good, healthy nutrition without being hydrated, without moving to stimulate your body and without sleeping well. So they really do all go together and they feed off of each other. A good night's sleep is makes it so easy to get up and pop out into the sunshine and have a good walk and move your body. And of course, with that, you're going to build up a thirst probably. So you're going to have that hydration. You're right. I think that most people do fall short and really, um, really miss their expect their expectations around, uh, around nutrition. And again, it's not a quick fix. So it is something that requires habits and a structure and, and, and building those habits to sustain, you know, ongoing healthiness, ongoing wellness, a few things, how we eat is, is really important when we eat also important what we eat actually less important than those two things as controversial as that may sound. Um, but there's a, there's a, there's a boundary there, right? I would say first and foremost, everybody is going to be different. My, my route may not work for others though. I did progress quite slowly. Like I have this conversation with my sister a number of times. We have very different, uh, we grew up in kind of different households. Like she was often gone, um, with both parents in the house. And then, uh, my brother and I were kind of raised just by my dad. And so we had, we made our own food versus they had like kind of family food more often. So even within the same family that we grew up, we have very different eating habits, um, from a, from a young age. <clears throat> but when I started and I went and saw that natural path in my early twenties, one thing was she gave me some recommendations, like let's work on your omega fatty acids. So, you know, eating, eating salmon, like that was a big thing. And I had a major sweet tooth because all I did was eat processed food and, um, sugar, like straight up table sugar on a regular basis as a child, sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar. And so I'd really just like from a traditional Chinese perspective, I just was slamming my spleen. It just was working overtime, um, trying to keep me functional. I had very low body fat. I was what others would deem on the verge of maybe fat skinny because I was, I've always been thin. I've never, ever been overweight. Um, but I come from a big family. So most of my family who are eating some of the same things, strangely enough, um, are bigger. And so I think that kind of opened my eyes to like, wow, this is kind of my own individual journey. Like what other, what other people are doing may not work for me. And I always thought going into advising, you you know, clients early on about health is like, you know, eat the leafy green vegetables, um, you know, everything else in moderation, cut out the processed foods, limit your, your sugar, your gluten, your caffeine, um, certainly non-GMO and and locally source all these things. You can say all those things at the end of the day, it is absolutely so individual. I have had my gut tested, had a microbiome 
test. I've had my DNA test for my methylation markers. I've done a Dutch test. I've done, I've, I've taken every assessment that you can possibly take in blood tests. And what I know without, without any doubt in my, in, in my mind or being is that everyone is so very individual because what's going on inside your body we, we have no idea. Like I've done a ton of, of personal like biohacking and I still look at it and go like, wow, there, there is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> cut, cut out uh, processed food. And, and when I say processed food, I mean, it will sound drastic, but anything in a bar, in a box, in, in a, sorry, in a box, in a bag has a barcode, any of that. And any fast food, that would be your first sort of step. And if you have to step many, but these things I just figured out by really hard trial and error. And I just would recommend that someone get their DNA tested for this because, and there's a couple of companies out that do it um, pretty prominently in the States, like. but you can get it, you get it done once, right? And then you can get it done. Even as a child, you can get it for your child. It's like 500 buck test. You get it once and th that will never change. Your genes will never, ever change. But then you're not guessing at maybe I should take some ashwagandha because I'm a little stressed or maybe I need more vitamin B12. I did that and I overmethylated myself, um, oh. which is crazy because I'm pretty conscientious and I know how to read, but I ended up taking too much B12 and I had my heart was racing like because it was having a response to like, Hey, what is going on? You have too much in here. So like the body will respond appropriately, but we don't all have to be, you know, guinea pigs and, and biohackers. We could just take a test and then have the answers and then be like, then, then appropriately supplement for those, you know, those mutations. Um, I think it's easy. I, I've certainly fallen prey to, you know, thinking that someone says, Again, looking at someone else going, they said they were tired. So they started taking vitamin D. I'm like, oh, I wonder if, wonder if I need vitamin D. And then we have very expensive apothecaries of, you know, cupboards full of very pricey supplements. And then we take them and we're like, we don't really feel any different. Well, it's because it, it wasn't what you're missing. Right. So, so, but then we have a cupboard full of it and then we're like, well, we don't want to go to waste. So let me take it anyway. Or we, mm -hmm. we do, we do silly things. We wrap our head around like, why can't we just figure out what's wrong with me and fix it. Well, because there's like a trillion, literally a trillion things that it could be combinations of such. And so me giving advice or sharing uh, particulars about eating is really tough when I know this to be the case is that everyone is different. Yeah. The, the, the nutrition, I really highly recommend looking at outsourcing for those that don't have the time or don't have the inclination. If you like to cook, it's different. If you like to cook, set aside one to two days a week where you're meal prepping. So you are putting fresh food in a preferably glass container into your refrigerator, ready to grab, whether it's carrot sticks, celery sticks with some peanut butter or, you know, healthy groups of food that you can grab um, and take with you. That said, as I say that, because I'm on a, a little bit of a biohacking kick around my uh, glycemic index uh -huh. uh, and glycemic management, I've cut out all snacking and it has been a challenge. I, I will not lie. I'm very thin. I have a, uh, a fairly robust and, and hyperactive metabolism. So I've had to really emotionally re 
adjust, and I'm currently still doing this, adjusting my view on what hunger is and when I need to eat. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to that comfort piece is that we weren't meant to snack our bodies as, as archaic as our, our mechanism is. We weren't meant to snack all day. That just wasn't a realistic thing back in the day. And I'm not one to necessarily compare that, but if you look at like our, I think it's a human ge genome is what we call it, right? Over 10,000s of years, we've changed less than like one tenth of 1%. Like we're, we're essentially the same bodies digestive wise, metabolism wise, as we were, you know, in the caves where we would like go out and find food, we'd feast in famine, you know, it'd be like, you'd eat and be like, ah, you know, you had to eat it while it was fresh. No preservatives weren't sticking it on the shelf for two, three years. Like some of the food, food, quote unquote, mm -hmm. that people eat now. Um, and then you went hung, you, you went for a while, you could go days, three days, four days, right. Easily. Um, and not eat but we're grazing all day long. And, and I think if we look at the, what I'm finding I'm looking at is the emotional pull of like, why, why do I want to eat? Oh, I just smacked my toe into the side of the bed and it's throbbing. My first thought is I could go get a pump cake. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so, you know, or it's late at night. It's for me, that's nine 30 and I'm ready to go to bed, but I feel this little rumble and I'm like, mm, I could just have just a smidge of something. And I'm not talking junk at all. I have no processed food in my house. I, the pump cakes are the, are, those are my pumpkin pancakes, my staple. that I talk about a lot. They are processed in that I make them fresh myself. So I know exactly what's in them, but they do have cassava flour in them. And so that flour is processed. So that's what I mean by processed for me. There's nothing in a box, in a box. My only can is a pumpkin um, and the coconut milk, like everything else is, is fresh. So I'm not sneaking off and eating Skittles, which are like death in a bag, you know, or anything like that, but still I'm wired and I'm, I've reinforced that wiring for many, many years that I can just go get a snack. Like I, it's not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not in the caves you know? And my argument to myself is like, it's right there. <laughs> like it's going to go bad. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever thing you have going on is interesting to see that actually my body does better when it's not snacking. I have many, many biometrics that show that I sleep better, that show that I feel better uh, because I've documented that, um, that my heart rate variability is higher and better. My resting heart rate is lower. My stress is lower. My recovery comes quicker when I'm not snacking. I just did this actually I just calculated this last night for the last two months. And, and it's just clear as day. It's clear as day, the data. So in that I say, okay, well, if I want to be the best to my body and I want my body to be the best for me, then I'm going to do things that reinforce that. And so at this point, it's a little bit of willpower, but it's also many, many years of reinforcing that I, I want to be healthy. And that is my, that's my North star is living as healthy as I can. And so I'm not tempted. I also don't have shit in my cupboards. You won't open my cupboard and like Oreos spill out. Don't have things in your cupboards that you are not meant to consume because when they're in there and in a weakened state, which is, could be fatigue, could be you're up in the middle of the night because you have hot flashes could be you had a tough day. When you open the cupboard, if there's shit in the cupboard, you're going to consume shit. It's very, it's very simple and straightforward. If you open the refrigerator and there's soda and, you know, Cokes and beers or whatever, orange juice, 
killer culprit. Last thing I kicked, last liquid I kicked was orange juice. Eating is a big, big thing because we do it so many times a day. But if we cut that back to a time restriction of, let's say, a, everybody can do 12 hours. You shouldn't be, you should easily go 12 hours, six in the, at night, your dinner's over till six in the morning. Let your body regenerate, let it do its job and digest that food before you're stuffing more in it. What I'm seeing, the biggest thing, to be honest, and it's scary, Janine, because I eat really well, is that everything you do and everything you put in your mouth affects your uh, glucose levels, your blood glucose, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a carb. It doesn't matter if it's sugary. It doesn't matter if it's protein. You eat too fast. You eat too much. You eat too close together. Your your blood glucose is working. It is, it is up there. And I... Um, I was shocked by that because I, I've done so much. I, there's always more. That's what it is. There's always more. And I just take it as a, as a, an exciting thing, but, uh, I really encourage people to either test for their microbiome so they know what's going on, uh, just ev overall inflammation, but diabetes, liver disease, heart disease, cancers, they all are related to what we're consuming and, and, plus oxidative stress, of course, but, um, really, really, if, you, if anybody stops sugar as a result of this, I will consider my legacy complete. <laughs> it only takes one person. I'm not looking for a million people to change because it only takes one to, to do it because what happens is over time, as the example that you are, we can, we can use a little reverse psychology. If we're looking off and seeing what our neighbor's doing and thinking like, I could be doing that. Like I could have six pack abs then hopefully one day you look over and see that our sugar, our, our neighbor has kicked sugar and we can too, because it's totally possible. It, it is very pervasive. It is in everything. And it does sound like a lot, a big bite, but like, you know, how to eat an elephant, just mm -hmm. one bite at a time, like just do what you can kick just mm -hmm. one bite at a time. Like just do what you can kick processed foods as much as you can stop eating out at fast food restaurants. And then after that, every restaurant, to be honest, even the, the five-star Michelins and stuff they're using, they're using vegetable oil. Yeah. Oh, they've, yeah. they've cut, they've cut cost vegetable oils, killing us, sugar, killing us. These are real things. They're not a conspiracy. There's a, we can do side by side. Anybody who wants to come and like, <laughs> do a side-by-side -side intensive with me, I will, pr I can prove to you in very little time how you will feel so much better to kick these things. And on top of that, it's long-term. These are things that are deteriorating slowly. And then one day you've gotten to the point where your blood can't get through. If there's only so many blood thinners you can take, your blood will not get through a, a you know, a closed vessel. And so um, to avoid these things that I'm okay if something kills me on the spot. If I walk out and hit a bus, I I'm not okay with like letting my health deteriorate to the point where I'm debilitated by a stroke because I could have avoided that. That curiosity, like developing that curiosity around yourself and how it works is, is essential because nobody, nobody has the answer for you. That's, that's what we've been taught to believe. So you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you no doctor knows shit about me. And I will tell any of my doctor friends or any of my doctors about that. Like you don't there, it's impossible for you to know more 
and have more insight about what's going on in my body than I do. Now, if I can express to you clearly what's going on, we could probably have a dialogue about what possible causes could be, but honest to goodness, like with the tests that I've done, there's, there's no, no likelihood that I'm going to walk in and a doctor's going to be like, oh, it's this, it's just so slim. So finding out your own, knowing your own information. And then if you want to bring it to a naturopath or I use a Chinese doctor myself, um, then you share it with them. So someone else is on the path with you and they could say, oh, remember when you did this? And they can just be to help you hold you accountable, but they're not telling you what's best for you. There's a distinction there. And I think that's really important is that you know what's best for you. That information resides within you, whether you are aware of it or not, but it is in there. And if you can't get to it, trust me that it's, it's unlikely most people can get to it you have the key. It's a special key that like you can go in and unlock your history, your potential, your needs, your wants. You can unlock that. And with the help of some assessments like the microbiome test or with the help of like a filtration system, you know, you can keep things moving along well, but these are like, this is the puzzle for you to figure out like this. There's nothing more important than knowing how you work and how you operate. It will answer every question you've ever had about your personality, what you think is your personality, your characteristics, your foundation, your constitution, your abilities, it answers it all. If you're, if you're willing to listen and have a conversation with it, cause that's all the body's doing is just communicating with you. Sending you a bloat means like you ate something that doesn't work in our system. doesn't mean do it again. It means figure out what it is. Yeah, no, exactly. Our bodies will send off those signals big time. And, and that's something that, you know, of course is, is very important. And, and what I want folks to, to take away from all of the podcasts that I do is that you have, you are in control, you have the ability, you are your own best doctor. All, all you need anybody else for is, is to help you with the accountability and help you get out of your own way. You've got, you've got this. So Marcel, let's tell folks about your website, your podcast, um, cause marcelhanson.com and, and, and guys, uh, I'll let her spell her name and do the whole thing for you there, but it's marcelhanson.com. And then we also have the podcast, small habits, big changes, which is quite inspiring for all the little tidbits of, of information that Marcel's giving. So Marcel, tell folks how they can work with you, where to find you and all of that good stuff. Yeah, you know, um, the Small Habits Big Changes podcast is, is drops every Wednesday on uh, any or all, just like yours does, any or all. I'm also on YouTube where you find your podcast. You can go to the website, marcelhanson.com, which is M-A-R-C-E-L-L-H-A-N-S-O-N.com, or I believe that you can find it under mystabletable.com. And... Um, you know, I think that listening to podcasts like yours and, and hopefully like mine and, and many others out there is really valuable, but then you have to take action. So many people know what they should be doing or what would help them. And yet they're just not taking action. And so don't get, uh, I would encourage people not to get into the, the cycle of, uh, analysis paralysis, you know, overwhelm of, of information, because really all the information, like you said, it's within, it's within themselves and, and you have the power to, you know, make that change and small changes 
um, you know, small habits that you do every single day really are where the payoff is long-term. And, uh, and the last thing about sleep is, is all I ever say to start is just go to bed earlier, go to bed in the nine o'clock hour if you can. And if you currently go to bed at midnight, back it up a half hour and do that for a week or two, and then slowly creep back into a more stabilized, uh, circadian rhythm. Well, thank you so much, Marcel, for for sharing so much information. I have no doubt that folks are going to be able to take away a lot of takeaways from this podcast. And I look forward to hearing their feedback and doing some more podcasts, chatting about all things health with you. So thanks again for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me. Hey, Health Junkies, are you feeling just off, feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule of chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for. Head over to drjkrausnd.com and check it out. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.